0: What a blessing it was to see Jassy get baptized this uh, morning, and uh, we're thankful for her and her family getting saved and trusting Christ. And that uh, Jimmy was saved a few months back, and uh, and the Lord just uh, kept working in his heart and then Jessica's heart to save her, and uh, and then to save Jassy. we we'll praise the Lord for that. Amen. And so. Uh, that's the way it happens a lot of times, amen? And uh, it's the dad gets saved, and the mom gets saved, and the kids get saved, and, uh, and man, you've got a whole changed family. You know what happens there? You've got a family tree that's been changed. You know, when you think about it like that, uh, Jimmy's family doesn't is not uh, necessarily a Christian family, and so you've got a whole family tree that's been changed. And we praise God for that a blessing. Uh, to think about, they'd be here tonight, but uh, Jimmy, he he he, just, he struggled through service all morning this morning just so he could watch this girl get baptized. And so, uh, and uh, so he was he was uh, not feeling well. And so, pray for them and uh, <coughs> others that are not feeling well. So I know they would really appreciate your prayers as uh, they look to get well. All right. Deuteronomy chapter number ten. You got a little tingle in your throat now, all right? This is free, okay? Okay. You get you about a little glass of uh, of water, okay? And get you a couple, I'll get you a tablespoon of uh, ACV. You mix that all in there and just swallow it down, okay? All right. And anybody ever taking the ACV? Anybody? Okay. It's good stuff. You know, send a shrill through your body. And uh, anytime I start to do that, I just get the ACV out. Man. so uh, that's free for you. Okay. All right. Get the Brags too. Okay. All right. You got to get Brags. Anything else is uh, no good. Get the Brags. Got the mother in it. Got to have the mother. Right?
1: Does anybody
0: not know what I'm talking about? All right. Okay. You're like, You're like totally clueless about everything I'm saying. You're like, mother, what in the world is he going to say next? You know? What I mean? like, this is what's happening up here. Um, just trust me, okay? Brags and the mother, okay? You got to shake it up real good. I mean, Alex was talking, it's just this nasty, snot-looking stuff, all right? But that's what he you, okay? And uh, that's the good stuff, okay? That just has nothing to do with to Deuteronomy. And actually, <laughs> we're be eating, what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be. So uh, this is some good stuff uh, here this evening. And, uh, but yeah, if you're not feeling well, run to H-E-B tonight and get you the Bragg's apple cider vinegar, okay? And so... Uh, that is uh, Again, I, I was promoting, what was I promoting, Big Loose Pizza this morning, and, uh, I guess on the YouTube thing, we need to start you know, putting ads up there. You know, I think. So, uh, Deuteronomy, chapter number 10, we've been studying the life of Moses. Moses' life is, uh, well, it's an exciting life. I mean, it's a pretty exciting life whenever your whole entire ministry begins by a bush that's burning, but... Is uh, not burning, right? That's pretty exciting. And then the bush starts talking to you, okay? Then it gets real weird, okay? I mean, Jesus had an exciting life. I mean, all the things that he experienced, the the the, the plagues that were in Egypt uh uh the, the frogs, the lice, the darkness, the boils, the all of that. I mean, and we've preached through all of that. We've gone through all of this as, and uh and just kind of a synopsis. We've gone through all this for about, I don't know, about two and a half years on Sunday nights. Just been preaching through the life of Moses and different things. We're not preaching on it every single Sunday night, but uh it was it's just been a journey to get through his life and all kinds of things. And Man, he saw a lot of death, though, didn't he? Man, he saw a lot of people die. Really did. And uh, that must have affected his heart. I guarantee it did. To see so many people dying. Uh, But he saw a lot of life, too. Saw a lot of babies born, right? I mean, he saw tons and uh, millions of, of new little babies, new little faces. Uh, every single day that he would come into the crowd, he would see new little ones everywhere. Uh, and what a man! I mean, the Bible tells us that 120 years old, his eye was was not weakened, nor his strength was it weakened. I mean, he could see just as well at 120 as he could at 40. I mean, he could see he was just as strong at 120 as he was at 40. Uh, he was an amazing. An amazing man. So, why Deuteronomy? Well, it's because uh, Deuteronomy is Moses's, uh, really, it's Moses's epistle. It's Moses's letter. We have the epistles of Paul, the epistles of Peter, and all those guys. That. Deuteronomy is Moses' letter. This is Moses writing to the children of Israel about what's happened in the past what's going to happen in the future, and the things they need to pay attention to. And so in doing that, I decided that it would be best if we would just take larger chunks of this particular book and understand it in that way. And we've been dividing it up in three chapters apiece, and tonight we're looking at chapters 10, 11, and 12. And uh, no, we won't be here an hour for each one of them, but we've been seeing a theme for each one. And tonight, the theme is this. It is that we ought to love the God of the commandments. Love the God of the commandments. Here in chapter 10, just look at verse number 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Look at verse number 15. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seat after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Look at verse number 19. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now look at chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Notice what he says here. Uh, Moses says, "Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always." Verse thirteen. And it shall come to pass if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. And then just one more verse tonight, as we uh, before we begin, verse twenty-two. Deuteronomy 11. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to cleave unto Him. In these three chapters, you find the word love six different times. In fact, if you were to turn this one more chapter over, chapter 13, you'd find it again there. You find it basically seven ti- or seven times in four chapters, the word love. It's more than any of the other places that you find in the the Deuteronomy. And because in this section here, Moses is beginning his discussion and reiteration of the law. And he's going to begin to tell them what they should and should not do. And you say, why is that important for us, necessarily? Well, it's important for us for a number of reasons. Number one is that some of the laws, and I should say many of the laws that are written in the book of Deuteronomy are still very applicable to us today, all right? Like, for instance, one of the laws in Deuteronomy 12 says, do not eat blood, all right? I mean, that's that's still applicable today. You say, why is that? Acts Acts chapter number number 13 tells us that. Uh, It tells us that we should not be doing this. Don't eat blood. Why? Why not eat blood? Uh, Because because they, they tell us very plainly, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So don't eat the blood. So uh, that's just one uh, basic thing that you find right there. And, uh, but it's in these chapters that you're going to begin to see the commandments of God take shape. And it's not in these chapters that we find the Levitical laws or those kinds of things necessarily or the ceremonial laws. But it's in these chapters here that you're going to find the practical everyday laws that are applied to the children of Israel. And I believe many of them are reiterated for us in our New Testaments also. But in verses chapters number ten and eleven, he is still introducing the law of God. It won't be till chapter twelve tonight that we'll see that he will begin to give us some instructions on what we should or should not do. But it's in these particular chapters that we find that the commandments of God and why we do the commandments of God and why we follow God and why we listen to God and why we obey God and why we observe the things that God tells us to do is not based upon a slave type of mentality. It's not based upon a robot type of mentality. It's based upon the fact that we love God. That's why. What was Jesus' words to uh, the one Pharisee whenever he asked what the uh, greatest commandment was? He said that the greatest commandment is this: that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And what was the second one? Love thy neighbor as thyself. These two commandments hang all, listen to it: the law and the prophets. Does anybody have a uh, place you put your keys at every night when you get home? I do. If I didn't, I'll lose them. All right. I started losing my keys all the time. I can never find them. I still lose them, even though I have a place for them. But uh, we have a place. I put my keys. If I put my keys there, I know they're there. They'll be there every single time. But some places, some of y'all might have a little key hook that you hook on. My parents have one of those. It's in their basement. And uh, when my when they get out of the vehicle, they go over to the key hook and they put it put it right there. All the keys hang on. The hooks right there on that placard that is mounted on the wall. And if you will, tonight is that the placard that is mounted on the wall of our hearts ought to be the love of God and the love for each other. And every single thing hangs upon it. Everything else hangs on those two commands love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. And in tonight's message, you're going to see both of those commands come alive. Number one we see in our text here this evening in Deuteronomy chapter number 10 is this. You see the rewriting of the law. If you remember back, if you will, for a little bit, and some of you might not have read it, but you might have seen it in the old Moses movie. uh, Whenever Moses comes down out of the mountain the first time and he takes those 10 commandments, and what does he do with those? Breaks them. That's right. He breaks the Ten Commandments because he looks out in front of them and he sees all the children of Israel, at least the great majority of them, uh, worshiping a golden calf and just having a big time. And so he breaks the the, the Ten Commandments. One author said that he broke them because he knew that if they were still in existence that God would immediately kill them all. I don't know if that's the case, but I think it's a good explanation. But God takes Moses back up to the mount and he is going to rewrite the commands of God. Now, I used to think that God wrote all the commands, all 616 commands on those two tablets of stone. But Deuteronomy tells us, no. What it is, is that God writes the Ten Commandments on the stones. He writes the Ten Commandments on the stones. And he writes those down into his own finger. In fact, it tells us that right here in verse number 1 of chapter number 10. At that time the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first Come up to me in the mountain to make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words, whether on the first tables which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of shittim wood, and you two tables of stone, like unto the first, and went up into the mountain, having the two tables in my hand. And listen to this this is amazing, isn't it? And he wrote on the tables, according to the first writing. And here it is, and here's your clue to what they were the Ten Commandments. He wrote these on there which the Lord spake unto you out of the mountain amidst the fire of the day and the assembly and the Lord gave them unto me. That's in Leviticus chapter 19 that you find that. But the point being here is this is that God himself wrote the commands. Why would God do that? It's a reminder to all of us that God's love made him write those commands to us. That God loves us. Enough to instruct us and help us. How many of you would say that thou shalt not kill is a bad law? <laughs> right? How I many of us would say that, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor? Uh, if you want to uh, simplify that, thou shalt not lie. How many of you like being lied to? Amen? None of us. How many like to be cheated on by our spouses? None of us. How many of you, and we don't like these things, how many of you like for your children to honor you and obey you? Anybody like that? Amen? Amen? Okay, i well, just making sure, you know. And so he writes these commands, and they're not for, they're, they're not for our, they're not for to go against us, they are for our good, they are for our benefit. And the reason why God tells us the first four commands about obeying him and not falling down to graven images and and, and, and worshiping the Lord thy God alone is because he knows that when you go outside of God and you start worshiping all the other idols is that guess what people start doing? They start not honoring their parents. They start killing each other. They start committing adultery. They start lying to, to one another. They start blaspheming in the name of God and they start coveting everything that is around them. You see, because those are connected together, but yet our God is a holy God, amen? He is a holy God, a God that would have us serve him. Does that mean that we're perfect? Of course it doesn't. Does that mean that any of us have ever kept the Ten Commandments? No, it doesn't. We've broken all of them, I believe. Every one of them. Somehow, some way. And God rewrites these commands for Moses and for the children of Israel because he loves them. And I turned myself and came down from the mountain and put the tables of ark in the, in the ark which I had made. And there they be as the Lord commanded me. And uh, what's interesting is that when the ark of God oh, was finally brought into the temple uh, hundreds of years later, is that you find out that the ark of God still contained the two tablets of stone. There were other things in there at times, the uh, bowl of manna and Aaron's budding rod, but when it all was said and done, the only thing that was left was the two tablets of stone. God's word to the people of Israel. We see in verses 6 through 11, we find the final journey into of the children of Israel. We find in chapter verse number 6 that Aaron dies in Verse number eight, we find there's instructions to the Levites that they are to uh, that they are to uh, make sure that they minister unto the Lord and bless His holy name. In verse number nine, we find that Levi's inheritance was uh, Levi was a tribe of Israel. He was had no inheritance. He had no possession. He had no land. But yet God says that the Lord that God will be His inheritance. God promises them that. These are the final journeyings. What's happening in Deuteronomy is this, is that the children of Israel are moving towards the promised land, but they're not quite there yet. They're right outside the gate, if you will, right across the river. They can see it. Moses is even told to go to Mount Pisgah and look across and see Canaan land and see all of it. And the children of Israel are right there on the edge, right on the cusp. The Bible telling us where they all traveled to and where they went to. And he tells us that he went into the mountain again and that he stayed there in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And he went on to this journey. In verses 12 through 22, though the, the Bible moves on and lets us know that he's going to give a sermon to them. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and the statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. That's what God's commanding. Now, has God's commands changed? What does God require of us? Just because we're in the New Testament, does it mean that we can steal now? Or lie? Or covet? No, of course not. Does it mean we can worship graven images? Of course not. We understand those things to be uh, be true, that we should do what they have told us to do here. And so what is required of them, is required of us, is that we now fear the Lord. We revere God. We walk in all of His ways. All of His ways. Some people, one one author said that uh, I'm not worried about the Ten Commandments as much as I'm worried about the 22 commandments in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Do you realize there's 22 commands in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5? You see, sometimes we think, wow, all these commands, I mean, how could we ever follow them all? Man, if we just took the New Testament and found out everything that the Bible was requiring us from the New Testament, what would we do? We do, do we do all of those things? Do we rejoice evermore? Do we pray without ceasing? Do we give thanks in all things, whatsoever it might be? Those are just a few of the things in 1 Thessalonians chapter number five. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and again, I say rejoice in Philippians 4.4. 4. And he says to the Israel, he says, require of thee. God requires of this. Behold the heaven and heavens. Why should we follow God? Why is it that we should follow God? We should follow God for a number of reasons. But number one, we should follow God because we love God. Because we love God. Now, it's no strange thing, I don't think, for uh, for us to love the Lord. We should love God. God gave us our life. He gives us our breath. What's even stranger is this, is that God would love us. Amen? It's no shocker that man should love God. He should, but he doesn't. What's the shocker is this, is that God loves us. And gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only. But for the sins of the whole entire world. Folks, listen to me tonight. Is that the Savior Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He is the propitiation for your sin. What does that mean? That means he is the satisfaction of God's holy wrath. say God's mad? Oh yeah, God's really mad. In fact, if you've been with us on Sunday nights uh, and reading about the life of Moses, you found out that God's gotten mad a few times. He's gotten very angry. He got so angry one time that he told Moses, he said, move out of the way, I'm going to kill everybody. Moses said, don't do it, please God. Please God, and he prayed. God was so mad with the world one time that he did kill everybody in a flood and left only eight souls alive. The thing about God's anger is this, though, is that God has another quality about himself that's called long-suffering. I'm glad for the long-suffering of God. I'm glad that God doesn't just kill us the first moment that we sin, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the 115,000th time. But God is merciful, God is gracious, God is good, God is watching over us. And we're going to read here in a second that God is going to give the land of the people of Canaan to the children of Israel. You say, that sounds so mean of God to do that. Well, listen to me, friend, is that God had given them over 400 years to repent. He was long-suffering with them. He gave them time and time and time again to repent of their sin. But what happened? They just kept degrading and getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. You said they didn't know about God. They did know about God. I went through all of Balaam's talks and all the things about Balaam. Balaam knew about God and Balaam was a heathen, all right? They knew about God. In fact, I know they knew about God because what happened when they went into Jericho? Rahab was there, right? And what did she do? She repented and believed God and said, basically, we've been waiting the last 40 years for y'all to come because we were scared of y'all. Don't tell me they didn't know about God. What did the Gibeonites do? The Gibeonites faked their own uh, uh, residence and so that they wouldn't be killed. And they put on, the, they put on the, the, the old clothes. They knew about God. They were stiff-necked and proud and hard-hearted. That's what God's trying to get all of us away from. Amen? To not be stiff-necked. You know what stiff-necked is, right? You all, some of y'all, I mean, some of y'all are still, but uh, teenagers, you know, some of y'all, you know, we've been teenagers before. How many of you were stiff neck? You, you. How many of you were never stiff neck teenagers? I mean, you never. I mean, your parents said something and you kind of, you know, stood up straight like this. You know, I mean, just the command, just the, just what they told you, just made your hair stand up on the back of your neck. You know. I don't want do to do that. You know. You're just talking under your breath and. I'm sure there's not, there not a person in here that ever closed their door and uh, behind closed doors, you know, got kind of mad at mom and dad, you know. I'm not giving any suggestions to any teenagers. I don't have to give suggestions, all right? Uh, you've already done it probably, okay? That's being stiff-necked. That's being, uh, that's being, that's being proud. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's what the people were like. Why should we love God? Because God loves us and we should love God. Number number 2, why should we love God? Look at verses number 13 and 14. He tells us why. He says, he says, why I have commanded these things for thy good. Amen? Amen. God commands these things for our own good. Why do you give commandments to your children? Because you're a mean old Scrooge? <laughs> Is that why? No, because you love them. Because you know that green beans actually help. Amen. You know that that, that eating candy and, and Lucky Charms all day is not going to do good for the bowel system, okay? You understand that? So you have to offer commands to them to help them for their own benefit. Thirdly is this, why should they obey God? Because God chose them. Make your calling and election sure.
1: People sometimes wonder,
0: why don't I have any assurance of my salvation? Why don't I feel saved? Why don't I feel like I'm a child of God? Hey, are you obeying God? If you're you're not obeying God, if you're not listening to God, if you're not doing what God wants you to do, you're not going to feel like a child of God. All right? Man, there was a couple times I did not feel like a cox growing up. I didn't feel like my parents loved me very much from the discipline that I received. I didn't feel like I was very much uh, connected to the family, you might say. Why? Because of my disobedience and my rebellion. The power of God. Verse 17 says, Look at me, he says, I'm a God of all gods, I'm a Lord of all lords, I'm a great God, a mighty God, a terrible God, a God that regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. I do execute judgment with the fatherless and the widowless and the widows, and I loveth the stranger and giveth him food and rain. God is a powerful God. And in verse 22, he tells us that he is a God that will give blessings. He says, you went down to Egypt with 70 people and you came back as the stars of the heaven for a multitude. He is a God that blesses. That's why you should love God. You should also love, you you should also follow God is because he says in verse number 19 right there, he says these words. Love ye therefore the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You should love God because God teaches you to love other people. Teaches you to love the stranger. Love people that don't look like you. Amen. Amen. Love people that don't act like you. Love people that are not interested in the same things that you're interested in. Love people that 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 aren't the same, dare I say it, religion as you. Love the stranger. Love. Them. How do you love a stranger? Well. They need something, you might give them something. And if you're not, if you don't know, them, you probably should give them the gospel. <clears throat> That's the best way to love somebody. Love the stranger. That's why you should follow God. Because you and I were nothing but strangers, outcasts, outside of God's. Kingdom, and he loved us. Then you find the introduction to the commands, chapter number eleven. This will proceed a little bit quicker as we get into cha- as we get into uh, chapter number twelve. But really, chapter number eleven is two sermons that he preaches, or really maybe just one, but it's a whole lot of things that are happening here in chapter number 11, really a lot of reiteration too of observing the commandments and keeping the commandments and loving God as we've already read. But the introduction into the commandments is because what you have seen God do and what you have seen how God has less and how God has chastised. He said, "Therefore, you should love God and obey God." He goes through a list of different things. How he brought the plagues to Egypt. How he uh, he he sunk Dathan and Abiram down into the uh, to the pit. He says in verse number seven. He says, "But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which He did." Therefore, ye shall, shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, and ye go in to possess it. He's telling them, hey, listen, you have seen all the great mighty acts of God. Not your little kids. Your little kids haven't seen these things. You have seen these things. Now you go and do what God's told you to do. I love preaching to children. I ran a Vacation Bible Schools all summer one year with neighborhood Bible time. Can't tell you how many Bible Schools I've done myself. I love little kids. I preach to little kids, and I love to see kids get saved. But can I tell you right now is that the people that have got the experience, that have got a few years under their belt, that have trusted God, trusted in God, and seen God work. Those are the type of people God is looking to step up and say, you know what? Hey, this is what God can do. And be an example. And be a blessing to a younger generation. To people that do not know the Lord. To people that have not seen God work. To people that have not seen the miracles of God. He goes on to tell them what the land is going to look like in chapters number 8 through 17. I won't get into it too much. It's just a wonderful place. A place that they had never seen before nor experienced at all. He tells them, he says, I will give you rain in the latter days in the new season. In verse 14, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather corn and wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest be full. He's letting them know, hey guys, you're going to be blessed when you go over there but you know what? Love me and observe my commandments. If you don't, he tells them in verse 17, then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you and he shut up the heaven and there will be no rain and the land will yield not her fruit lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. And then he tells them a very interesting thing in verses 18 through 22. He tells them what to do with the commands, not just to obey them, not just to observe them, but he tells them a couple of things. He says, lay these words up in your heart and in your soul. He says, bind them on your hands in the frontlets between your eyes Orthodox Jews still do that to this day. They have little boxes on their on their heads right there, and little boxes are, 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 are uh, bracelets on their arms right there to, uh, with the Ten Commandments inside there. They're called phylacteries, and they still have those, and they took that seriously. They, they took that literally, that they were supposed to put these on their heads and on their wrists and on their doorposts. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing necessarily, but the point being is this, is that before he tells them to do that, he says, you're supposed to take this and put it inside of here. Put it inside of here. The frontlets of the eyes, though, too, was not a literary term. It was the idea of putting it right in front of you. Right in front of you. So that you'll always be in remembrance of what God's commands are. In fact, I am not against us as believers putting some scriptures on our walls, putting them up so that our children can see those things and know the word of God. He says then in verse number 19, he says, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. I could preach a whole sermon right there. Teach your kids the Word of God. Amen. Teach them God's Word. So, how do I teach my kids God's Word when they wake up in the morning, when they lie down at night, when you're riding down the road and you see something in nature that's beautiful? Why don't you point it out to them that that's what God did? It's not a man. That's of the Lord. How many of you saw the solar eclipse Marshall yesterday? saw some of that? Pretty cool looking, huh? You know what? That's God. That's the Lord. You know, some people yesterday, you know, celebrated the pagan gods. It always happens around that time. So my God controls the universe. He controls the skies. He controls the seas. He controls the sun and the moon and the stars created all of that. That's God. That's what that is. Showing to us His great power. His great strength. Such great strength that, was anybody outside yesterday when that happened? It was a little eerie. Wasn't it? What was God showing us there? He was showing us that even the most brightest most powerful object in our universe can be blocked out with something so small as the moon. Think about that. Think about how inferior the sun is when it's covered up. We're going to experience another one in April. I say full. Cool. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. It's going to be kind of fun to see if you seen one of what should you do in times like that? Teach your kids about God? The introduction continues on. He tells them about the inhabitants of the land, what God was going to do to them, that he was going to take care of them, that he was going to dispossess them, that he was going to allow them to possess greater nations and mightier than themselves in verse 23. And then there shall be no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. God was telling them that he would bless them, he would take care of them, he would watch over them. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for God to give me, a, you know, four or five acres here in Oak Hill or anything like that. But what I am saying is this, is that God is a great God and he is so great that if we'll serve him and love him, like Paul was told, he said, you're going to stand before kings and preach the gospel. And I'm so small, and I'm so insignificant, but the gospel has brought me on to places that I never would have dreamed to be able to go. And to meet people I never would have dreamed to have met. Why? Just because of the gospel of obeying God and letting God do the work. And I'm small, and I'm insignificant in comparison to, to some. To some that have seen God do great things, God's blessings and God's cursings are then given to us at the end of chapter number 11 where he tells them that they're going to, they are to—they need to put the cursings on one mountain and the blessings on another. In verse 29, put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal so that they would know when they entered into the land that there was a blessing on one side and a curse on the other side. What does that mean? It means simply this, that in verse 32 that you shall observe to do all the statutes and the judgments which I set before you this day. When you get to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, that you would be able to see that I need to obey the commandments of God when I see that mountain right there because if I do then I'll experience the blessings of God but if I don't obey God then I'll experience the cursings of God over here on Mount Ebal. It was a picture for us, for for them. That's why I say it's not a bad idea to put the uh, Ten Commandments or put something in your house so that you can know, you know what, I follow what God tells me to do. I want God to bless my life. I want God to, I I I don't want to be in the cursings of God. Amen? Finally, he tells them the beginnings of the commands. Now Moses is going to be able to lay it out here for them. He tells them in verses 1 through 14 the instructions of where to sacrifice. He says, make sure you sacrifice here. These are the statutes and the judgments when you get into the land. He says, make sure that you will utterly destroy all the possessions of the the folks that are there before you he says get rid of their gods on their high mountains on their hills and under every green tree amen and man, it, to me it sounds like a man that i knew one time he was he was uh he was a uh, lost just as lost as a you know a goose in a snowstorm and man he was telling me whenever he got saved he said he said man the jack daniels and the and the vodka he said they went down the drain he said because that's all i did he said it just went right down the drain and if anybody knows what that kind of stuff costs, it wasn't it wasn't cheap. He said he said the drugs that I had in my drawer. He said he said those got those got thrown in the trash and taken out to the dumpster. He said the illicit magazines. He said those got taken and those got those got burned. I mean, it was just it was just cleaning house day when he got saved. I mean, is this clean house? Let's go through. And sometimes uh, as a believer, if we're not careful, is that we let the guard down a little bit. And we'll allow some things back into our lives. And if we're not careful, is that we'll find these things coming up. I remember one time I walked into our girls' room and they were watching a little uh, cartoon on TV. And I don't know if they remember this or on a DVD. And it was basically teaching them about witchcraft. It was basically, I mean, teaching them about witchcraft. It was just a little cartoon. I remember thinking, I, I, you know, what if I just ah, oh, it's just a little kid's thing, you know? Not a big deal, you know? But I made an example of that. I took that thing out, took the DVD out, and broke it in half and threw it in the trash. Amen. We don't really need that. But sometimes we allow things, and and the devil's real sly, isn't he? He can just kind of slip in the door, you know? And, and, and we've got to... You say, how do I know... You be conscious of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. And what, God, what the Spirit of God is teaching you and telling you and showing to you. Listen, you don't need a preacher telling you what's wrong and what's right. <laughs> Amen? Mm-hmm. You, know. you know. You know. I know. We all know. When you see that saying, hey, let's just clean house. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of this. Let's just just have a clean house for God. He tells them where to sacrifice, what to do in the sacrifices, and how to sacrifice, and where to put things, and what to do with things. What's the point of all of these verses for us? The point is this, is that he tells them in verse number 13, take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. (laughs) He says, he says, listen, I'm an orderly God. Amen? <laughs> he says, get rid of all the other idols, but make sure that you worship where I tell you to worship at. Make sure you're worshiping there at the tabernacle where the place I put my name at. Make sure you're there. Okay? I'm a God of order. I'm not a God of mishaps. I'm not a God of putting worshiping me here. And, uh, officially, you might say, or corporately, as a, we know that we can worship God anywhere with our prayers Amen, and our praises. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about corporate worship, all right? And sometimes what's amazing to me is that in our 21st century, you still have people talking like this. I meet Christians, I meet people that are Christians all the time that will say, you know, I don't really feel like I need to go to church to worship God. Well, then you've totally negated Acts chapter number 16 where it says that he purchased the church with his own blood. Or how about Hebrews chapter number 13, forsake out the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. The church is the bride of Christ. Church is pretty important to God, okay? And for somebody to just kind of laxadaisically say, I don't really need to go to church. It's kind of really the spit in the eye of God. Because he's the one that created the church. He's the one that says, I will build my church. Alright? God's a God in order. He tells them even what to, he even tells them what to eat. He says in verse number 15, not with sin that thou mayest kill and eat flesh and all thy gates, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord, which he hath given thee, the unclean, and the clean, do I eat there as the roebuck and as the hart." Only don't eat the blood. You shall pour it upon the earth as the water. We still do that today. And we still follow that simple practical principle. Alright? Thou mayest eat within thy gate, thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of the corn or the wine or the oil of the first things, or nor any of the vows which thou vows and thy free will offerings or heave offerings. That's a very practical command. Alright? What's he saying? He's saying, if you vow something to God, don't eat it yourself. Amen. If you tell the Lord, Hey Lord, if you'll help me out in this job and help me get this done, I'll, I'll just give you i will give you $100 of whatever I make. And then when you get done with the job and you spend $100 on something else that you want to spend it on, get the point? I mean, these things are still practical to us today, right now. If you don't want to, God doesn't twist our arm to make a vow, amen? If you don't want to make the vow, don't make the vow, right? Don't do it. Better to, better to not vow and, 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 and not have to pay than to vow and not pay. So he's telling them this, these things. Telling them what to eat, where to eat, how to eat. He's just being practical with them is all he's doing. He so said, that means eat whatever you want to eat. You can have whatever you want to have. Eat these things. They're good, he's telling them. Praise God. You know what a roebuck is, don't you? That's just old venison meat. Anybody like venison? I don't love venison. Yeah, we kill about six deer a year, and I eat them all. Man, we I not just meat, we're our family. Man. we love to eat; it's good stuff. You know. He says, just just eat, have a good time. Take heed to thyself; thou forsake not the Levite. Make sure you don't forsake the preachers. He's telling them the people that are teaching the word and keeping up the keeping up the uh, tabernacle and uh, keeping up with those things and the, the worship of the house of God. He says, don't forget about them. Take care of them. And then in, he tells them also in verses 21 through 28, here at the end, he says, uh, he says again in verse number 23, only be thou sure that thou eat not the blood, for the life for the blood is the life, that thou mayest not eat the life of the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it, and thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. Thou shalt not eat it, he says. Only the holy things which thou hast in thy vows that thou shalt take and go into thy place, as the Lord shall choose. It goes on to let him know: hey, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Follow me. I'll bless you. I'll give you what you want. Even amazing to me that uh, a verse that doesn't get probably a whole lot of attention, he says, Eat whatever your soul lusteth after. Now, don't go right the pantry after that you know, verse okay, tonight, okay? Some of you already got Oreos on the mind. All right. But isn't that a blessing? I mean, we always are talking about how God at the Old Testament is so restrictive, right? You know, he's such, a, he's such a hard God. Such a God that will you know has no mercy and everything. But he's saying, man, when you get into the land, it's going to be abundant, it's going to be great, it's going to be amazing. Follow me, observe my commandments, love me, and I will bless you to the hilt." he says. And you can eat whatever your soul lusteth after. You can have it and enjoy it. If we don't think that God is a God of enjoyment, then we don't believe in taste buds. (laughs) Amen? God is a God that wants us to enjoy life. And then finally, the instructions to. And again, all of these commands are given with this particular thing in mind. Verse 28, observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children afterwards. And then he tells them again, and one more time, when the Lord thy God, in verse twenty-nine, shall cut these nations off, and you succeedest them, he says, in verse, 9, 20, verse thirty, take heed to thyself, that thou not be snared by following them after them, that thou not be destroyed from them, and inquire not after their gods. How did God? How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Listen, we need to be simple concerning that which is evil. Okay, and I'll close with saying that. Listen, you don't need to know how all the false gods and all the demonology and all the, you don't need to know all that kind of stuff. You don't need to get, it's maybe helpful to know some uh, simple, basic, foundational facts about maybe religions or world religions. Listen, you don't need to go down to the Buddhist temple and spend three or four weeks down there. Alright? You don't need to get to know them. You know what you need to get to know? He's telling them? You need to get to know this God. You get to know God. You get to know his word. Sometimes Christians get a little a little scared sometimes whenever somebody will say things like, Well, I don't believe the Bible. What do you tell to somebody that don't believe the Bible? Anybody know the answer to that? Tell them the Bible that's what you tell you know why you tell them the Bible because it's the word of the Lord it's the sword of the spirit don't listen to people don't be influenced by people don't be intimidated by people that say I don't believe the Bible no what you do is you tell them the Bible because this is the only thing that's going to change a person's life Jesus told people to it. you know why because Jesus is the word he is the word when you're following the commands of God and listening to the commands of the Lord you know who you're listening to Jesus what do we sing tonight very first very first song Jesus is what all the world to me all the world to me these are Jesus' words. These are the words of Christ. We have our Bibles written in red, some places, right? In the New Testament. You know what? It's all in red. It's all in red. Because it was all paid for by His blood. All of it. He died for you and He died for me. So that we could follow His word and be blessed blessed after but if you're not under the blood then my friend following God's commandments are not going to get you anywhere following God's commandments without the blood being applied will never save you you could take all of Deuteronomy, you could plaster it all over your house You can memorize it, get it into your heart, try to follow it to the best of your ability. But if that's what you're depending upon to save you, my friend, you'll be sorely mistaken at the judgment seat. Because there's only one application that's accepted at the judgment seat when you meet God. And that is... Has the blood been applied? Has the blood been applied? Are you a child of God? But how do I know that? Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Christ alone. Christ alone. I'm not depending upon this, my friend. I'm depending upon Christ the Savior. And then once Christ saves me, then what do we do? We follow his commandments. Father, we thank